Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. to the Nevada Loyola Chicago game in Roz. Sister Jean, this is a team of destiny, are they not? Yeah, let me so Sister Jean is is this year's dream, right? And what what I have to put out there for all the uh all the people who are into sabermetrics and everything, God is a sabermetric. I just want to put that out there in the universe. If you look at it, Catholic or Christian schools in Villanova counting in this, I know how good their program has been. They really do well in these tournaments. So next year, when you're picking your bracket, one, I don't think any Jewish schools make it in these tournaments. But two, don't go with the public. Stay with the private schools. I mean, University of Dayton back in the two, early 2000s, or not 2000s, early 2010s. I don't know how you dictate that in saying it. But anyways, Dayton with their Elite Eight run, now Loyola Chicago, and then obviously Villanova with an NCAA championship recently. Sabermetric, choose God. <laughs> Choose God, you heard it here first. Um, Roz, that was a, a pretty ugly game, kind of fun to watch. But, I mean, Nevada going scoreless there for about, <laughs> I think it was like 12 minutes. I mean, they scored two points in like 12 minutes. End of the first half, start of the second half. Um, Three-point shooting was atrocious, only 25%. They did really well from the free throw line, shooting almost 93%. But, I mean, Loyola Chicago shoots 55% from the field. Um and they just they edged them out at the end. Uh, Nevada, I thought, definitely had more chances to win this game, but they just played some sloppy basketball, in my opinion. And Nevada, what they were so good at getting up into this point was their ability to shoot the three and be a good shooting team. And it just ran out. You know, sometimes that's what kills you in these tournaments. I mean, you always hear what is it, the big factors that keep you alive, making sure that you make it to the final four even farther. And it's usually a more mature team, a team that has a couple of veterans on it, having a good shooting team from free throw line and behind the arc. And some days you just don't have it. I mean, the argument can be made that like UNC was that team last weekend when they lost to Texas A&M, that they're traditionally a very good shooting team, but they didn't have it. I mean, they were awful. They shot one of 22 from the three-point line at one point in that game. But today was Loyola Chicago's day. And my God, Xander, since we're on this part of the bracket, we just have to talk about it. You have the best South region bracket, on any. I think, on anybody's bracket 
honestly, like of all ESPN bracket pools, I think you have the best one. It just isn't going to be enough for you this year. Kentucky, how about the ride they're getting? They get to skip Arizona, skip Virginia, skip Cincinnati, Tennessee, even this Nevada team, and they'll get an 11 seed, presumably, presumably when they beat Kansas State. Right. I mean, you look at Kentucky right now, first round against Davidson, a 12 seed, second round against Buffalo, a 13 seed, and they are going to play tomorrow night, or well, I guess last night if you're listening to the show now, but they're going to play Kansas State, and I'm still going to stick with Kentucky. So I'm, I'm hoping when people are listening to this that Kentucky is going to play Loyola Chicago on Sunday? Sunday? It, it, I, those things always mix me up. Like, how do they determine? Does Loyola get the extra day of rest? Does Kentucky get the extra day of rest? I mean, I think it'll it it be interesting to see. I think it would have to be Sunday, but regardless, Kentucky just, I mean— in what looked like one of the tougher draws for any of the teams in this in the South region, I mean, you look at Virginia had a legitimate beef with Kentucky, Arizona, Cincinnati, Tennessee, um, every other team. I thought this was probably the toughest overall region, but I mean, poo hoo on my bracket because I had Kentucky going to the Final Four, but at the same time. North Carolina gets beat by 20 against Texas A&M, and there goes my champion, which I thought was such a great pick because not a lot of people were on him. But my bracket goes down in flames, I think, like a lot of other people so far. But, I mean, I got I got to ask the question. It's got to be – how in, in the line of sports, you get a perfect game, four home run games, whatever the NFL standard of that is, whatever the NBA sta- – scoring 100 points in a game. I mean – what is UMB, what is NBC's win over a one seed? Because uh, it's never happened before. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Now, how can you say that when it happens? I just, I really don't see that being the case. Uh, I think it will be another 130 plus games before we see that again. I mean, I will never choose a 16 against a one. It's the same thing with the twos versus 15s. I'll never choose a 15. Yes, that happens more frequently, but a one seed losing to a 16 seed is the most mind boggling thing of all time to the golden retrievers, basically. The cutest freaking mascot you could have is a retriever. I mean, I was in love with this team, and I was actually heartbroken when they lost to Kansas State. But where do you rank a 16 beating a 1? Because I remember I was kind of speechless when hearing about it. I didn't really know what to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of in a, in a different category. I mean, the things you mentioned, like the four home runs, you know, 100 points or whatnot, those are kind of individual feats. But, I mean, when you look at something that's actually never happened in the history of sports— Pretty unbelievable, especially against the number one overall seed in the tournament. I mean, Virginia, it was kind of the, you know, the poster child of consistency this year. I mean, you look only, I think, two regular season losses, I believe. Um, But they really gave a lot of good teams a lot of trouble. They're just so consistent, and they were brutal against UMBC. I mean, they didn't have a chance. Basically, from five minutes into the game, that was just not a good game. And I remember I'm sitting... I'm sitting on the bar stool with a buddy of mine and we just keep looking up at the score and, and got to the certain point where I was like, wow, like Virginia is not going to win this game. Like eight, <laughs> eight minutes left was I finally came to that realization. Like they're, they are cooked. Like they cannot make a shot. UM, everything is going right for UMBC. And it's a shame that UMBC could not win their second round game. Cause that was a ugly, ugly game versus Kansas state. Um, very uninspiring effort by Kansas state. I thought, and UMBC definitely had a chance, but yeah, I mean that—that's something. It, it might never happen again because I, mean, I it really I can't see it happening again. This was a 
I don't know how to explain it because it's weird that it's over. It's weird that we can't say that ones are undefeated anymore. And I just don't think it'll ever happen. This is the biggest fluke in sports. It might be what the title is. Yeah. Of all time. I've been listening to a channel 204 on Sirius XM lately. It's the Vegas Sports and Information Network hosted by Brent Musburger. Um, Guy had an interesting take on the 116 matchups, you know, basically over the past 25 years is that – you know, 25 years ago, the spreads on those games were, you know, upwards of 29, 30, you know, 35 points. And kind of slowly over the past, you know, 20, 25 years, the spreads have come down. I mean, you look at one versus 16 matchups nowadays. I mean, point spreads, I think, are, you know, ranging between like 19 and 22. So I, I think the Kansas talent was as low as 16 and a half. Right. I think the talent level of teams in the tournament has kind of inched ever so cl- ever so slowly closer together and i'm not not saying that you know 16 seed will ever be to one it did happen but in terms of point spreads i mean i think the talent is getting a little closer together um still no excuse for virginia to lose that game but you look at the teams that are getting in near the bottom of the bracket i think they are they are better teams i think than they used to be and you know you see it in the point spreads and obviously you, you never thought you'd see it in the in the conclusion of a game with UMBC upsetting Virginia, but that is exactly what happened. Um, first time it's ever happened, um, and this is not the first time on the Sporting Edge. We are going to get some more bracket breakdown after the break. Virginia's out, Xavier's out. We've got two one seeds left, and we will break it all down next segment, everybody. And we are back, everybody. What's up? This is the Sporting Edge. Roz and I are breaking down the 2018 NCAA bracket. Just gave a shout-out to UMBC being the first 16 seed ever, ever in the history of the March Madness tournament to take down a one seed. Roz, take a look at the rest of the bracket. Um, The West region, Michigan absolutely trouncing Texas A&M on Thursday night. We've also got a matchup that we haven't seen yet between Florida State and Gonzaga, but Roz, I think the West region is Michigan's to lose. I mean, you look at they just pounded Texas A&M, um, and after two pretty good games against Montana and Houston, Houston was an unbelievable buzzer beater, um, Michigan, they might be the team of destiny. <laughs> yeah, the whole question was how is this Big Ten tournament going right, to affect the big their layoff. play and just a big layoff and everything, and it did affect them. Let's be very honest about this. I know they ended up beating Montana by 14, but you saw it against Houston. They were just slow, not hitting their shots, and it took a ridiculous shot to go in. I mean, yeah. that's one of those pickup basketball shots you chuck up just when there isn't anything going right, and it splashed. And I mean, everyone, I, I, I'm in LA, and I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and it just blew up. And there's not Michigan fans out here. I mean, we couldn't be further away from the northern state of Michigan. So it was absolutely electric, incredible. And now, you know what? I think they're in their in their role, and they become dangerous now. They had those two games. Yes, they had to, to wait Monday through Wednesday to play this game. But they came out and spanked Texas A&M, a team to me that is very, very talented. And then we're going to go into that to a second. I just wanted to bring up about the ones and twos this far. We're going to focus in on the West. But Xavier, we were talking about the ever so slightly the 16 seeds getting better. Xavier allowed 83 points to the 16 seed. I mean, that's ridiculous. Kansas didn't cover the spread. They only won by 16. And Villanova was the only true win over a 16 seed that 
look decent. I mean, they won by 26 points. I mean, they look to be the best team. But really quickly, back to the West, UNC. They ran up against my early season pick in Texas A&M, who I had told you, similar to Baylor a year ago. I thought Texas A&M was the most well-rounded team. They're very dominant in the post. Gilder outside for three and his point guard play. They're a very good team. They just couldn't get it together this year with suspensions, injuries, and all the above. But they just took a beating to Michigan. Like you said, Michigan looks like the team of destiny once again. I mean, Gonzaga played very well, I believe, against Ohio State at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game. They let Ohio State really get back into that game. But Gonzaga, I think, is going to be a very tough task for Michigan. And I think that would be a fantastic game, honestly. Yeah, you know, I do as well. Another game I'm really interested in, Syracuse-Duke. Um, Syracuse, with the ugly, ugly, ugly win against Michigan State, um, really disappointing Michigan State. I had him in the Final Four, and they just played like crap. Um, and that 2-3 that zone for Jim Jim Boeheim pulls through again. And my question, Roz, is that going to be enough against the Duke Blue Devils? Because um, Syracuse on offense, we all know this year, has been – pretty pretty bad i mean they they struggle to get to 60 points have not done it yet in the ncaa tournament and really haven't done it all year but i mean is that defense good enough to take down the blue devils in the midwest region i gotta give a quick shout out to jared because of this conversation we're about to have syracuse as an 11 seed is one of the most dominant 11 seeds i've ever seen they've made it to the final four as an 11 seed coming off a playing game this year they get through tcu michigan state and are on their way to duke And Jared kind of set it up for me and explained why. This 2-3 zone they play allows for their offense not to be the most dominant factor. This 2-3 zone is one of the most dominating defenses in all of college basketball. And the ACC gets a good picture of it. But when you don't, once you're out of non-conference play, nobody really remembers what to do at that point. And Michigan State saw it. TCU saw it. I mean, look at the points they held Michigan State to. They held them 53 points. But... To counter that is what I brought up earlier in the season. What would be Duke's downfall? It was if they couldn't get that defense going. Well, funny enough, the team that they figured it out against and who they've been modeling a zone similar to is the Syracuse team. And Duke, so far in this tournament, has allowed 62 points to Rhode Island in a blowout win there. 67 points to Iona. I know it's 15 seed. They should blow them out, beat them by 22 I don't think Duke has any problems with this Syracuse team. This will be the third time they play each other. I think Duke's going to run through it. They, Like I said, they've been playing each other in ACC play most recently. I think Syracuse runs into that team. They can't get past here, and Duke's going to move along in this part of the bracket. Okay, and uh, so you think Duke's going to win straight up, but how about the 11.5 point spread? What do you think about that? I think Duke wins by 15, 16 points. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, another good matchup. West Virginia against Villanova, who you got? Well, I have to ride with the champion I picked in Villanova, and that's only a four and a half point spread. I love that for Villanova because here's how it's going to go. Obviously, you can go these either West Virginia is absolutely going to win this game outright, or Virginia is going to, or whoops, West Virginia is going to win this game outright, or Villanova is going to blow them out. And what I mean by that is West Virginia is going to win in a close game. I don't think Villanova would pull it out. I think this defense would be overwhelming to them, or they're just going to get smacked by Villanova, which is, I think is going to be the outcome of this game. I think Villanova moves on to hopefully pay, play Purdue because I think that's the game. I haven't been giving Texas Tech enough credit. Texas Tech playing two close games, and the Stephen F. Austin one, which we talked about last week, was ridiculous how bad Stephen F. Austin finished the game. Florida really 
seem to be in control, but Texas Tech down the stretch, they're closing games. Purdue, obviously, without their big man, Isaac Haas, and that's going to be a problem, I think, for Purdue. I don't know if it's going to be a problem this round. I think they're going to get past this Texas Tech team so that we can see a Purdue-Villanova matchup, which I think would be a very, very enticing game. Yeah, and speaking of Purdue, that my bracket just went to shit all in one day. I, I thought I had some great picks. I had Butler beating Purdue, which I, they definitely had a shot to do. They just couldn't do it. Um, and and that, that was really the nail in the coffin of my bracket. And then I got to see UNC <laughs> just absolutely get the floor wiped. Um, Texas Tech-Purdue, interesting. You know, without Isaac Haas, I think this Purdue team is definitely a little bit weaker. But, I mean, they've been playing some pretty good basketball. And Texas Tech is not is a team that I didn't really watch um, all year. But you got to give them credit for the fight they put up against Stephen F. Austin. Um, as, as cold as they were and as bad as I wanted Stephen F. Austin to win because I took him. Um, and then Texas Tech just hung with Florida the entire time, snuck out with a win. Um, and speaking of that Villanova-West Virginia game, West Virginia to me – it kind of they kind of remind me of the Washington Nationals of Major League Baseball. Always a pretty that's good, a great, pretty great. good team. Just never really win the big one. You never get past that first round series. Um, and I think it stays that way this year. I mean, West Virginia is a team um, before the tournament that I thought might be able to make a big run. But I agree with you. I think the buck stops here with Villanova. Jalen Brunson, one of the best players in college basketball going to be a great matchup uh, the name's escaping me right now but i know west virginia um also has one of the better point guards in college javon carter yes javon carter that's it so i think that's going to be a great matchup to watch but i think this villanova team overall is just a little bit too much for west virginia but we'll see i mean does bob huggins have enough juice to get by villanova and find himself in the elite eight i think against a team in texas tech or purdue that they're pretty good but not great um, so if West Virginia could find a way to take down number one seed Villanova, I think could be looking at a possible Final Four run. Um, but Roz, we look at the rest of the bracket. If you had to take one team right now besides Villanova to win the championship, who would it be? I think it's got to be Duke. I know the left side of the bracket to me is just not creating the competition you want before you hit the big dogs. I mean, yes, Michigan seeing Gonzaga would be probably its toughest matchup to date, but Again, I think if they ran into a Duke, I think the ACC really is this dominating conference. And it's tough to say that right now because you, you look at the teams making the lead eight. You got one in Loyola, Chicago, whose conference I can't even name. You got Michigan in the Big Ten. I just can't give the Big Ten a whole lot of hype because of Ohio State's exit to Gonzaga and the very early exit by Michigan State. By the way, if we can comment on Michigan State, that's two years in a row they haven't made it out of the first weekend. Luckily, they made it past the first two days of the tournament. But Michigan State, Tom Mizzo, you need to reevaluate what you're doing once you make it to the tournament. Anyways, Duke would be my pick. They got Clemson, Syracuse, and Duke in this part of the bracket, in the Midwest part of the bracket, all ACC teams. And Clemson just put a licking on Auburn. So I don't know if I'm not even confident in Kansas making it out of that game. I really like Duke going the rest of the way if Villanova is not to do it. Yeah, you know, Clemson-Kansas should be really interesting. Clemson, I mean, put a beat down on Auburn. That was one of the uglier first halves I've ever seen. Feel feel a little bit for Bruce Pearl. I mean, there was really nothing he could do sitting on the sidelines over there. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. Maybe a little more bracket breakdown after the break. Say that three times fast. This is the Sporting Edge, and we will catch you after the break, everybody. 
What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we are back. And we're going to talk a little baseball here in the third segment. Got a little extra time. Baseball is right around the corner, and got some big news. Um, got a new addition to my fantasy baseball league this year, and it happens to be the other host of the show, the Big Roz, <laughs> making his debut in the Deerfield Legends in Texas fantasy baseball league. In I league. noticed the Texas thing. You want to you want to fill me in on what I've missed? How Deerfield um, became so minimal to this group? I think well, you got Taub and I think a couple other people from Texas. I'm not really sure, but I don't really focus on the people in the league. I just focus on my performance. Uh, you know, three top two finishes the past three years, one league championship. Um, there's something there's something in the in Witz's special sauce that he will not tell one Ethan Rosenzweig, but. You know, it's keep, fine. We got to discuss fantasy baseball right now. We do so have who to discuss fantasy baseball. Um, so we got a set of rankings up, Roz, and I think number one overall pick for me will probably always be this man as long as he is on a field. It's Mike Trout. Um, I don't think there's anything much to say about that unless you have something different to say. I I wish I had something different to say. I was looking at a couple of rankings myself. One CBS ranking, this guy was having Altuve at the number one spot. I mean, hit-wise, Altuve is super valuable in that aspect. That'll get you those points, especially in the way our league looks to be playing. This is my first year, so I can't say I know everything yet about it. Mike Trout, to me, is just the perennial number one. And if he can stay healthy, there's no doubt in my mind he's an MVP candidate every single year. And I think if I was lucky enough to get the number one overall pick, I would have to probably go the Mike Trout route as well. Yep. Not definitely not a bad choice. Um, look at some other guys around the top of the rankings, and, and I guess you look at our fantasy league. Kind of take everything into consideration, so it's not just home runs and RBIs. I mean, look at stolen bases too, um, getting on base. Everything is important, so I guess you're looking at overall players. Jose Altuve, the reigning AL MVP, also up there. This is a guy who I think's poised for another great year. Um, really fun watching him play alongside Carlos Correa, who's also in the top 15. Um, over 2018 fantasy baseball rankings. You look at another guy, Mookie Betts, um, really taking the league by storm the past couple of years. You know, a great, great piece of this Boston Red Sox team who got a lot better, I think, with the addition of J.D. Martinez. I mean, that is going to be a fun team to watch because um, they were a little lacking in the in the power division last year. I mean, after Big Poppy left, that Red Sox team was near the bottom of the league in home runs. But I don't think that should be the case this year, especially when you look at Raphael Devers. 
Um, played 60 games last year and looks to be a, a big power bat for the Red Sox as well. Um, but, Roz, you know, who else are you looking at near the top in fantasy baseball draft? Oh, you know. Trust me. You've known this. Everybody and their mothers know this. If I'm fortunate enough to get the four and five, and he's not even – really projected in the top five. I don't care. I'm not going to pass on this guy. He's going to be the new NL MVP, and he won't be his first time winning. I want to let that be known. I'm calling the Washington Nationals for the man with the luscious hair and the fantastic facial beard. I'm going Bryce Harper, number 34. He's going to be part of Team Rise as we move forward in this March to win Fantasy Baseball's championship. Wow. Would it be any other guy but Bryce Harper for Big Rise? Um, you know what, Rise? I love looking at the top of the draft board, but I like taking a look at some guys in the early to mid rounds that, you know, may change your season. I mean, you look at the guys near the top, barring some horrific injury. I mean, most of those guys are pretty damn good, but there is a couple guys that I'm looking for in the middle rounds to late rounds that I think could really impact your fantasy baseball season. The first guy in my list is Nicholas Castellanos from the Detroit Tigers. I think this guy is poised for a 30 home run, 100 RBI year. Um, you look at his hard hit rate percentage, around 39 to 40%. And I, very sabermetric. I'm not a big sabermetric guy, but um, the numbers don't lie for this guy. I think he's going to be the next, then basically the next man up. Um, you look at the Detroit Tigers, kind of blow, blowing it up a little bit. You know, they got rid of Kinsler. They got rid of J.D. Martinez. Um, they got rid of a couple other guys, Justin Upton. Miggy still remains there, the 35-year-old man who will forever be one of my favorite baseball players ever. But I think Nicholas Castellanos, as a third baseman, will be a top five third baseman in fantasy baseball this year. Um, also, talking about another third baseman who I think could make some noise, Matt Chapman of the Oakland Athletics. This is a guy with a lot of power and playing for a team that doesn't get a lot of recognition. But I think Matt Chapman is also a guy to look at. Um, Oakland A's have a few guys who I think might hit 35 home runs this year. Chris Davis is one guy who always seems to do it. Um, It's Chris Davis with a K. And Matt Olsen, Matt, (laughs) Matt Olsen also on the Oakland A's. I think they could be a little bit of a sneaky power team this year, but Matt Chapman's the guy I'm looking at right now. He's a third baseman. See, I'm right now looking in the in the 70s in terms of ranking. From 70 to 80 right now, I'm looking at these players because we're in a 10-person draft, and obviously it doesn't go in order in terms of the draft. But you would say this is around like a sixth round, fifth round, maybe seventh round area. I've been very high on this guy, and I know I'm from Chicago, so this doesn't really help my argument if you really want to listen to me. But since we're in a league that's a little more split for Chicago and Texas, I think Wilson Contreras is going to be the guy hanging around there that I want to capitalize on. This guy poised for an NL MVP candidate season. I can't give him the NL MVP due to Bryce Harper, but Contreras is going to be right up there with him. Contreras is a catcher I'm eyeballing. I desperately want. I know, Wits, I'm giving you kind of my game plan here, but I'm really going to be targeting I don't Contreras. need your game plan. I hope I don't fight too soon. <laughs> I don't yeah, you, need your you need game my plan. game plan. I do not. Um, interesting. I do but, like Wilson Contreras yeah. a lot this year. Um, I think that whole Cubs lineup, I think could, you know, I'm not going to say they're underrated, but I think a guy like, I think Anthony Rizzo will outperform Chris Bryant this year. That's one of my big predictions. I think Rizzo, um, one of the most consistent guys in the league. You look at the two first basemen from Chicago, 
and there isn't many players in the league that are more consistent than Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu. When you talk about in the mid to upper 20s in home runs and between 90 and 100 RBIs, those two guys are your basic locks. Um, Another guy that I'm looking at is Justin Smoke. Um, And I think you got to be careful here. I think Justin Smoke, I think a lot of people are going to buy high on what he did last year with the 38 home runs, but I don't think that was a fluke. I think Justin Smoke figured out something last year in a swing. I think he's going to hit another 30 home runs this year, but I'm not going to reach for him in rounds four and five. I think he's priced pretty appropriately around the 80th ranking, but I think he's a guy at that spot who was a very good pick for a Toronto team, which is a great ballpark to hit in. Um, a lot of good pieces around Justin Smoke. And you know what? I think a lot of people think he's going to be just as good as he was last year. I don't see it, but I think 30 and 100, I think is very doable for Justin Smoke this year, which is a great year, assuming that he stays healthy. Another guy that I'm looking at is Kyle Seeger of the Seattle Mariners. Has kind of been the third wheel on that Robinson Cano Nelson Cruz deal over there, but Kyle Seeger's another guy I'm looking for 30 bombs out of. I think he's been slowly getting a little better each year um, and gets a little overshadowed by his brother over there in Los Angeles. But Kyle Seeger, um, another third baseman that I'm looking at. So hopefully we get a little utility spot in there because I got all these third basemen. I was going to say, you can't have a whole team of third basemen. Yeah, well, you know, you got a DH spot, you got a utility, so maybe I'll take three of them. But, you know, Rod, well, how about t- talk a little pitchers? I mean, I'm going to talk pitchers here in a second, but I want to give my one one more same name, new place guy that I kind of like thinking is at a hitter's ballpark. Lorenzo Kane in Milwaukee. I think that's a nice outfield piece right there. Late rounds, a guy that I would definitely like to take a look at as we move down the rounds. But you want to talk pitching? It's clear as day that Clayton Kershaw should be the number one pick or if you don't get to go that route, I'm a big Corey Kluber guy this year. Leaning on him, the way he closed last year's season was absolutely fantastic. Struggled in the postseason, but it's all right. It's a new regular season, and he'll be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with the top few pitchers. You look at Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. Um, there's a lot to like there. I mean, there's a lot of strikeouts to go around. There's a lot of innings pitched. Basically, the one thing you run into – as a problem with starting pitching is is the health. That's that's it. Um, and, you know, Clayton Kershaw has had a couple injury issues in the past. I still think he is the number one pick. But if you were going to take – you're going to take Max Scherzer or Chris Sale or Corey Kluber, you know, I, I, I couldn't blame you. I think Kershaw is the number one. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. And I think when it's all said and done, I mean – Regardless of the playoff success, Clayton Kershaw, I think, will go down as one of the better left-handed pitchers in the history of the major leagues. He's been doing it, you know, I think since he was about 21 years old. Really unbelievable how long he's been able to stay at the top of his game, and I really do wish he'll have a little more playoff success. I hope he wins a World Series by the time it's all done. But that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. We're breaking down fantasy baseball. Right around the corner, we get strict six straight months of nothing but the MLB and then we start talking about the NFL draft again so things are good we got March Madness going on baseball around the corner and hockey playoffs are coming off soon that's what I heard but we will talk about it all after the break if you miss a show you know where to find us at libertytalk.fm and we will catch you after the break everybody
What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we are back talking about fantasy baseball. We're giving you some of the obvious names at the top of the draft board, pitching wise, but just like we did with hitters, we got to give a little love to those mid range guys that could make a huge impact on your fantasy squads. Roz, one guy that I'm looking at that has really seemed to figure it out, especially last year, but the past couple of years, Charlie Morton for the Houston Astros. It's amazing what Houston has been able to do with some of these pitchers over the past few years. I think it's a major reason why they won the World Series last year. I mean, they got a a lot of great young pieces in that lineup, but nothing happens without guys like Dallas Keuchel, Justin Verlander, Charlie Morton, you know, Lance McCullers, Colin McHugh. Um putting it all together for him charlie morton a guy who is a little bit older than most um but i think he has another solid season at age 34 you look last year started 25 games went 14 and 7 with a 362 era in the nl pretty solid numbers he's a, he's a guy who will go out there put up some numbers and you know i i just i see a lot of success from him this year because i think last year was not a fluke um and he had, you know, the second lowest weighted on base against lefties by a righty starter last year. Uh, an area that he's always struggled with was left-handed bats. Added some strikeouts, had over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And, you know, I think the workload's going to be there. And I think this is a guy in the middle rounds who could really, really do some damage for your fantasy team. Not bad. For me, pitching-wise, what I'm Not looking bad. at is— Not Appreciate it. You're well. I am giving you cr- props where, you're, where it's due. But where I'm looking at is obviously Kyle Hendricks ranked 42nd right now here on CBS Sports. It's another Cubs pick. I think the Cubs are due to pop off, and I think Hendricks is going to have to be one of the reasons why. Quintana is going to be their workhorse and Lester as well. But Hendricks is going to have to have an awesome season if this Cubs team wants to make another push for the World Series. I like where he's at. I like that I could wait on him if I want it. I also like looking at Porcillo down here. We're setting up he's 56. One time AL Cy Young winner. I think that Porcello's due for another good year, especially Por- if the Red Sox are booming. Come on. Porcello. Am I saying Porcello? Whatever. I can't pronounce names. It's not I can't even pronounce Cano. my own last name. Porcello. Anyways, I feel good about him. The other pitcher I'm looking at, which might be uh, way out in left field, is Lance Lynn, who just signed with the Minnesota Twins. I know Xander's so hot and bothered about how good the AL Central is going to be. But again, I think other than the Indians, that's a that's a division that isn't super strong, and Lance Lynn's going to be able to capitalize on the team that I think will compete best with the Twins, and that's the or with the Indians, and that is the Twins. I think Lance Lynn will have an easy time with the White Sox, Tigers, and Royals. Not too concerned there. I think that's a pitcher you're going to want to look at towards the bottom of your uh, bottom of your draft. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, speaking of the Tigers, my next guy that I, w- I was looking at um, ranked near the mid-40, some people at 46 to 50, Michael Fulmer. Um, I think this guy is one of the brightest young pitchers in the league, and I know what people think about Detroit this year, how they're going to stink, but I don't see it that way. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and end up around the 500 mark. But Michael Fulmer, I think, is the clear number one for this Detroit team, who I think is going to surprise some people, like I just said. And I think he's going to get some wins. I mean, I think wins end up being the most important stat um, in an innings pitched, also very important in strikeouts. But Michael Fulmer is a guy who I think's basically got the total package. Um, another guy that I'm looking at, similar young guy a lot of great stuff John Gray Colorado Rockies I think he's playing for a lot better team and I know people get a little scared about Colorado but John Gray I think the talent is there I think the ability for him to go deep into games and also play for a winning team it's a big deal 
Um, so those are two guys near the middle rounds that I that I'm looking at. A third guy, Kevin Gaussman, and kind of kind of scares You're me. You're going to go with the bit. Orioles here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Orioles because I think Kevin Gaussman is a guy who is too talented um, to not have a good year. But I mean, you look at what he did last year. That's exactly what happened. But I think Kevin Gaussman is going to be a key piece to this Orioles team um, if they're going to be good. A little weight off the shoulders there when they signed Cobb. They got Dylan Bundy. Um, and they got a couple other guys in that rotation, Chris Tillman, that I, I think is going to take a little pressure off Gaussman this year. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm looking at 12 to 13 wins out of him. Well, as much as I love this baseball and as hyped as I am for our draft coming up it? on Sunday, which, it's time to uh, – that was, that was the segment for baseball. It is time to talk about – the NBA, or better known as the LeBron League. LeBron is the greatest player of all time. Done. I'm done having the argument. Done having the conversation. I know he doesn't have the six titles. It's over. I don't want to have the argument ever again. Michael wouldn't be able to do most of the things LeBron James can do on a basketball court. I don't care about the six titles. I don't care that he did it six out of six times. I don't care that you guys failed to see that he got suspended for two years because of his gambling addiction. doesn't matter to me. He wasn't going to win eight in a row. LeBron, the last couple of nights, unbelievable. One, he had a 40-point triple-double. Last night, he had – or, pardon me, Wednesday night, he had a 30-point game, 17 assists, and no turnovers. No turnovers. 17 assists, zero turnovers. You can get on some passes without one of them being tipped away, out of bounds, stolen, or any of that. Unbelievable. He's doing it right at crunch time. He's going to go for 82 games this year. How many people can say they play a full 82-game calendar year in the NBA anymore? Nobody. He is a workhorse. He is unstoppable. His body is a gift from God. And you know what? That's not about physique and what you can look at at ESPN the magazine. That's just telling you what he's able to do on the court. No ACL tears, no other injuries. And I'm not spitting in the wind here. This guy's ass off more than anybody in the entire world for a little recognition. Yes, I know he talks about LeBron on ESPN. But little recognition in terms of the greatest of all time because people still want to give it to MJ for his title run. I'm done. He convinced me in three regular season games, which should never happen ever because it's the regular season in the NBA. LeBron James, best player of all time. Kevin Love is back. This Cavaliers team is going to the finals where they will lose, but they're going to finals again. Okay. Um, who are they going to lose to? Is it going to be Golden State or the Houston Rockets? And it's going to be Golden State. I love this. Is that's where the regular season comes into play? That the foo foo nonsense that is James Harden and Chris Paul putting together the best team in the West. I mean, come on, Chris Paul and James Harden are going to stop Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Really, in the playoffs, four game, seven game series. Really, probably not. They're not. But you never know. They're really not. No, it's going to be the Warriors. I mean, come on, the beating this Warriors team. You know who it was? It was Kevin Durant. In the West. And you know what he had to do? He had to go join them. There's no way this Warriors team. I'm, the whole Houston Rockets talk, just like when the Bulls would beat the Heat four out of the four games in the regular season. Then all the Bulls fans were hyped that, that LeBron and the Heat were going to get past them. I mean, they finished the series in five games. Yeah. That could be the same case here. <laughs> it could be, but you know, I'll tell you what. James Harden, to me, is probably the most fun player to watch in the NBA. Um just the moves and just always seems like he's trying to embarrass somebody. LeBron is awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that, but watching James Harden play is, is pretty fun because not only can he shoot the rock, but he just tries to embarrass people like on a, a night in and night out basis. Just every highlight. I, I don't watch sports center that much anymore, but I flip it on and it's just 
just James Harden crossing somebody up, stealing their lunch money, and then draining a three in their face. It just it never ends. And you look at the Rockets, won 22 out of their last 23 games, only lost coming by three points in Toronto. Um, I don't know. They might be able to make a run at Golden State. <laughs> I really do believe that. Um, Golden State a little banged up right now. Look at Steph Curry with an ankle issue. You got Klay Thompson with a fractured right thumb. Kevin Durant um, with a little bit of a rib problem. You know, I know the playoffs are still about a month away, but I don't know. These guys can't stay healthy. You never know what can happen. But, Roz, you got about 10 seconds left. Why don't you sum it all up for me? Warriors are still going to win the NBA title, but the Portland Trailblazers, third in the West. You thought Lucas Aldridge leaving them would make them a problem. No, yet they have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And, and the, the Nurk beast, Joseph Nurkic. And one of the Nurkic or the Jerkic or the Burkic, whatever one of those guys who came from overseas is. But, yeah, this is an impressive Portland Trailblazer team that's third right now in the West. Very competitive. Very competitive indeed. That is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoy the March Madness breakdown because the next time we come back, we'll be talking Final Four action. MLB season will be very close to starting up. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Sunday. We got our bowling league tomorrow. Roz isn't going to be here, but he'll be there in spirit. This is the Sporting Edge, everybody. We will see you next week. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.